Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be across this great country. We got a lot to dive into, a variety of different stories. Joe Biden sits down with Seth Meyers, even though nobody watches Seth Meyers' show, instead of going on uh, the Super Bowl interview. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, Dr. Phil dunks on the ladies on The View. Trump is up right now in all seven swing states. Michigan voting today in their primary. The FBI shares photos of uh, two white girls, look like they're from Clueless, <coughs> shoplifting, and gets absolutely ridiculed online. And surge pricing for hamburgers. How is that going to, uh, to be received? Uh, well, I got a theory. Uh, also, just ice cream in general. I'm fired up about this. Maybe I have an opinion that most people disagree with. By the way, just checked uh, and altered the uh, just checked the uh, the image there and just altered it a bit. Your world did not suddenly earthquake. That was me. Uh, so let's start here. I think Joe Biden has been an awful president. He's awful on the border, awful on inflation, awful on the economy awful on avoiding war in Europe and uh, in the Middle East, awful on crime. Virtually nothing can I point to is better today as I speak to you in February of 2024 than was in February of 2020. Unemployment was lower. COVID hadn't yet taken over. Uh, the uh, overall growth in salaries was increasing. Inflation was non-existent. February of 2020, compared to February of 2024, everything is worse. You guys get it. Now, you'll start to compare. People will say, well, COVID's over. COVID was going to end no matter what. And COVID ended for most of us by May of 2020 or June of 2020. Certainly, it did for the Travis household. I'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to begin with this. Biden is bad. His advisors may be worse. And I just want to dive into this particular decision to go to the Seth Myers, uh, to go to the Seth Myers interview instead of the Super Bowl and everything surrounding it. So I always like to think one of the best ways to prepare to make decisions is to actually pretend that you are the decision maker long before you have to make a decision. So let me just ask all of you, pretend that you are sitting in the Biden advisory chairs and they come to you and they say, hey, we got some opportunities, guys. President's always getting asked for interviews. President can do basically any media outlet in the country that he wants to do at any moment in time. They come to you and they say, hey, we got two options. Recent close vicinity. We can do a Super Bowl sit-down interview. Tens of millions of people watching. It's a tradition. It's relatively easygoing. We know that the audience is massive for white, black, Hispanic, Asian. 
because of Taylor Swift, maybe there'll be more women watching than even normally do. It's one of the biggest audiences that you could ever have for an interview, and it's a tradition that the president regularly does it, and it's from CBS News, which by and large is not an organization that rips the Biden administration to shreds. Or we can say no to that and we can go do Seth Meyers' show. Some of you out there are like, kind of like me, like, when does Seth Meyers' show even air? I know Jimmy Kimmel. I know Stephen Colbert. I know Jimmy Fallon. Those are all the guys that are on, I believe, at 11.30 p.m. Eastern. Seth Meyers is on after Jimmy Fallon. So let me just make this clear to you. Basically, nobody watches Jimmy Fallon. And then when Jimmy Fallon's show ends, Seth Meyers is the guy that comes on after Jimmy Fallon, and even fewer people watch Seth Meyers' show. The Biden administration decided to do that show instead of doing the Super Bowl. That by itself should get everybody who advises Joe Biden fired. So that was a ridiculous decision made by the Biden administration. That's not all. They also said, okay, we're going to do Seth Meyers for, I don't know, an audience of 800,000 people. Maybe not even, I don't think even a million people watch his show on average. And in the afternoon, because they tape all these shows in the afternoon, they're not live, FYI. We're then going to have Biden in the basement of Rockefeller Center, where they filmed this, on 6th Avenue in New York City. We're going to have he and Seth Meyers go get ice cream cones, and we're going to answer questions from the media about the war in Israel. And Biden is going to make news talking about the possibility of a ceasefire while he's wearing a suit holding a friggin' ice cream cone in his hand and he's going to talk to the media in between bites of his ice cream and this is going to make him seem more reasonable and put us all in touch with Grandpa Joe. They said no to the Super Bowl, yes to Seth Meyers, and then they put an ice cream cone in his hand while he talked about the most serious issue facing the world just about today. Now, there are still, media doesn't talk about it, American hostages in Gaza. They are being held hostage still. Lake and Riley was just killed by an illegal immigrant at the southern border, which remains wide open, where 8 million plus illegal immigrants have entered the country since Joe Biden became president. This is the definition of a bad look. It isn't funny. It isn't likable. It isn't accessible. I had some fun with this on Clay and Buck earlier. Grown men getting ice cream is weird if they aren't with their kids and they aren't with their wife or girlfriend and they're not with their grandkids. This is a weird thing to do. It's weird to go get your own ice cream cone and stand around licking it by yourself like Joe Biden did. It's weird by itself. To combine it, and about half of you, by the way, agree with me on that, to combine it with 
addressing major geopolitical situations is absurd. Now, I want to give credit here. I've been very critical of George W. Bush. I think the decision in the 21st century that is the single worst not related to COVID that any politician made was to go to war in Iraq. You talk to anybody who knew me back in 2003, 2002, when I was in law school, I didn't want to go to war in Iraq. I ended up being right about that. We spent trillions of dollars. I don't think we changed anything in Iraq. I don't think replacing Saddam Hussein made us any safer. I think we wasted trillions of dollars to say nothing of thousands of lives, and we gained virtually nothing for it. I think Dick Cheney led George W. Bush into the most disastrous decision not related to COVID made by any politician in the 21st century, in my opinion. But you know what George W. Bush did? After video of him talking about the situation in Iraq while golfing went super super viral in Fahrenheit 911, if I remember, 9-11, whatever it was called, the Michael Moore documentary. After that went viral, Bush basically decided, I'm not going to play golf anymore. If we're going to be at war, it looks bad for me to be at golf. Now, look, I suck at golf. I enjoy playing. I'm not saying that the president can't go on vacation. I'm not saying that the president can't play golf or tennis or whatever, go swimming, whatever he or she does that gives him and his family a little bit of, uh, a little bit of relaxation in the midst of an otherwise very difficult job. I'm not going to say you can't do it, okay? I'm not going to take shots at it. I'm not going to say it's impermissible or somehow unacceptable. But I do think it is incredibly important to think about the method in which you address serious things. And putting somebody in a suit, holding an ice cream cone with a late-night TV host who's supposed to be a comedian, talking about the situation in Israel and whether or not there's going to be a Gaza ceasefire with a freaking vanilla ice cream cone in his hand is so tone deaf that as bad as Biden is, his advisors may be worse. And this might all be a natural outgrowth of Joe Biden just being really a bad communicator because I think he's got dementia and his staff is terrified to let him talk to anybody. But how would you make the decision to do Seth Meyers and not the Super Bowl And how would you then make the decision to go talk about the situation in Israel while you're standing with an ice cream cone in your hand? It reeks of what is now, we believe, a made-up story, but it feels like Biden's Marie Antoinette moment. Instead of let them eat cake, it's let them eat ice cream. You aren't treating a serious situation seriously. And I don't blame the media for asking questions of him of a serious nature there because they don't get access to Joe Biden very often. So they have to take advantage of any opportunity they have to be able to ask these questions. I think it was a bad look. I think it was a bad decision. And I think if he really wanted to know why he's getting his ass kicked eight months from the election, it's not only because Biden's been a bad president, it's because he's got a lot of really bad advisors. And speaking of getting his ass kicked, 
I want to hit you with this data as all over Michigan people go to vote. Uh, and I think this is very interesting in general. So right now, as according to the decision desk, Trump is up nearly three points nationwide. Uh, Trump is up 7.6 in Georgia. This is a poll of polls. Trump is up 7.6 in Georgia, 6.2 in Nevada, 4.6 in Michigan, 3.7 in Arizona, 3.6 in Pennsylvania, and 2.4 in, uh, in Wisconsin. Joe Biden won all six of those states in 2020. He's now underwater in all of them right now. Depending on the math, Trump doesn't need to win six of them. He might only need to win half of those. Uh, and I tweeted out earlier, there was a story. This is from GE breaking down all of the numbers out there. Um, and I want to hit you with all of this. It's pretty crazy. According to Emerson and The Hill, uh, Biden is down 10 points to Trump in Nevada, down 9 points to Trump in North Carolina, down 9 points to Trump in Georgia, down 9 points to Trump in, uh, 6 points to Trump in Arizona, down 5 in Pennsylvania, down 4 in Wisconsin, and down 3 in Michigan. 10-point lead for Trump in Nevada. He lost that state to Biden. Nine-point deficit in Georgia. Trump lost that state. Six points in Arizona. These are big numbers. These are outside the margin of error right now. Uh, and it is crazy. So uh, it is wild to think about how all of this is going. Um, and it's just crazy. It's just crazy to complicate that we uh, to, to com even think that Biden could be down this much in all of those swing states. And Michigan, I mentioned, is going to vote right now in the primary. There are tons of people out there in Michigan. He won Michigan, according to the numbers, by around 150,000 votes. There is a desire to send a message, and I'll talk about this tomorrow to see what the message that was sent actually was, um, to vote uncommitted if you're a Democrat, to send a message that you don't approve of the way Joe Biden has handled the situation in Israel. So what you're seeing is Jewish voters, according to a Siena poll that came out in New York, are actually in New York voting for Trump by nine points which would be a seismic change if it ends up happening. And Arab voters are also abandoning Joe Biden. So Biden is in a tough spot here with everything that is going on in Israel because he's losing support among Jewish voters, which he won by a lot, and he's losing support among Arab voters, which he won by a lot. And this might be most prominent in Michigan, which has the largest Arab population in the United States, in the Detroit area, and also has a very large Jewish population. And this ultimately points to the flaw of the Democrat Party Identity Politics Coalition, which I write a lot about in American Playbook. 
And I point out that the problem with identity politics is it works well when you do what Google did with AI and you just say, white men are the worst. They ruin everything. I hate white men, which is basically what Google did with their AI. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. But actually, the challenge isn't when everybody agrees on identity politics that white men are the worst. It's when two of your identity politics coalitions go head-to-head. Which side are you on? The side of Jewish voters or the side of Arab voters? You can't have both in the wake of October 7th, and Michigan, I believe, is bringing that into stark relief. We'll see what the results end up being tonight. Trump's going to win and beat Nikki Haley solidly as we sit here one week from the uh, Super Tuesday when everybody is going to go and vote. I want to give credit. We had Dr. Phil on last week on Clay and Buck. He's got a new book out. He's been doing the media rounds. I thought he was really good. Um, And yesterday he went on The View. And face-to-face with the women of The View, when we clip this, I think it will do well. If you haven't seen it, you can go to my Twitter feed, scroll down, you'll see Dr. Phil rising up and dunking right in the face of all of the ladies of The View by sharing what is an irrefutable fact, a guaranteed truth. We should have never shut down schools in this country for COVID. I have been making that argument, as many of you know, for nearly four years now. I feel fortunate that my kids went back to school in person in August of 2021. I wish that we had never stopped schooling at the end of March and never sent kids back. But because of where I live, my public school kids were back in school by August of 2021. Uh, Sorry, August of 2020, in person. Now, they had to wear masks, which I'm still not happy about. But they were back in the classroom in August of 2020. Schools open normally. I went, some of you can go watch it, to speak at my school board in August of 2021 combating the idea that my kids should have to wear masks in public school. And so, uh, this was, I think, something that I've been proven 100% correct on. The data does not lie. Kids were more significantly harmed by schools being shut down than they ever would have been by the threat of COVID. And Dr. Phil walked right into The View. And by the way, I would go on The View. If they invited me on this program, I would go on and I would make these arguments. But what I thought was impressive was he walked right into The View, told the ladies that they were wrong on schools being shut down, and the crowd in The View audience cheered him. This is how much things have moved in four years. In 2020, 
when I argued that schools needed to be open and that my kids needed to be in school and my kids were in public school, people lost their minds. In 2021, when I said there was no basis to support kids being forced to wear masks in school and that my own kids were in public school and I was fighting against it. And by the way, we got a, uh, a waiver. They granted a waiver to every parent that wanted one. So my kids never had to wear a mask in 2021. I was right. The ladies on The View, even four years after school shut down for COVID, still, still do not believe that they were wrong to have shut down schools, but most of their audience does. That audience is made up of a lot of moms who had to bear the brunt of schools remaining closed. They knew what the truth was, and if they didn't know it now, then they know it now. Props to Dr. Phil, but again, the cheering, the applause that he got on the show for saying that the kids were harmed more by schools being shut down than they ever would have been by COVID. More power to him. I give him a lot of credit. Um, FBI. I I don't know why the FBI has a Twitter account. Uh, it seems like the FBI Twitter account just exists to get dunked on. The FBI share, we wrote about this at OutKick, the FBI shared a photo saying that mass retail theft had real consequences. I'm paraphrasing. And they put up a picture of two sorority girls, basically two white chicks, uh, two uh, girls who looked like they were off the cast of Mean Girls or off the cast of uh, Clueless, cute, 20-something, I don't know, sorority girls, basically. And they're getting absolutely dunked on everywhere for being like, is this what mass retail theft looks like? Uh, and I got to be honest with you, maybe I missed it. Maybe I'm missing the Kappa Deltas and the Kappa Gabba Gammas and the uh, 80 Pies. Maybe I'm missing all of the cute girls, whatever sorority was cute on your campus. Maybe I'm missing all of those girls flooding into a Nordstrom, flooding into a Neiman Marcus, flooding into a department store and stealing everything in sight. Maybe there are huge sorority theft rings where they just flood in just a bunch of cute girls, sorority girls on campus, and they just completely take over a department store. I haven't seen that video. I haven't seen that video in my entire life. Maybe it exists. You guys can tag me with it. I've never seen it. Talking about big, massive groups of people involved in mass retail theft. But this is emblematic of where we are. I went on, and I'll do it again. I went on, and I was just like, you know, with this whole AI business, you, saw, you know what we talked about with AI, where they designed, with Google, Gemini, they designed a, uh, uh, they designed a new uh, AI system. I'm doing a search right now on Google, by the way. I'm searching shoplifting images, and I want all of you to do the same to look at what photos come up on Google. But they designed this new Gemini system. And this new Gemini system, if you type in, for instance, what does a pope look like, all of the popes come back black. And if you ask what the founding fathers look like, they come back black. And if you ask Google Gemini, hey, who was worse, Adolf Hitler or Elon Musk, they say that's a difficult decision to make. This is what they designed. And this is important. Because a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, that's just AI. 
that's just what happens. That's just a glitch in the system. No, this is the way that their AI at Google was programmed. They are intentionally making a choice about what they want to show you. And their choices basically are designed to take away white people from the historical record. Right now, if, I, if you go on Google and you type in shoplifting images, these are the stock photos that will come up when you type in shoplifting images, you cannot find a black face that comes up when you do shoplifting images. It is all white people or Asian people. I don't even see anybody with a brown face. Just keep scrolling. I'm probably at 100 images now. There are no brown faces in any of the pictures. Are you telling me, no black or brown faces, are you telling me that that is by chance? That Google shoplifting images, you cannot find a single black or brown face. That's a design. That's not somehow happening arbitrarily. Google is making that choice. Just like if you watch a home alarm commercial. You ever notice how no one in a home alarm commercial is black? No one who is trying to rob a house is allowed to be black in a, ho in a, a home alarm commercial. Home security system commercial. The only commercials that will hire only white people are the home alarm. Every burglar looks like me. Every burglar is like a, you know, 30, 40-year-old white guy wearing a hoodie, sneaking around in the bushes. Oh, he's going to break into your house. We have allowed identity politics to take over to such an extent that there is no honesty now in our social universe and in our national discourse. And I talked about this in the wake of, remember the shooting? Everybody cared about for like four hours till they found out two black dudes did it? The shooting in Kansas City? Oh, it was a mass shooter. We got to have gun control laws. Everybody on ESPN is like, I will not stand for this. We got kids getting shot. Have you heard him say a word since it came out that it was just a gang dispute and two black guys were shooting at each other? No. Villain was the wrong color. You want to know how quick a story disappears, just wait till the identity politics come out and the victim is the wrong color, or, God forbid, the victim is trans. Story vanishes. Identity politics dictates that every single crime that is committed only matters based on who committed the crime. If we actually, the identity of the person who committed the crime, if we actually cared about violence, in this country, we wouldn't say every time there's a shooting, oh my goodness, we got to change gun laws. We'd say, wait a minute, why are black guys 3% of the population and they commit over half of all murders? If we want to decrease the amount of murders, we got to figure out why 3% of the population is committing over half of all the murders. That's the very basis of solving any problem. Okay, What's the problem? Well, we've got way too many murders. Okay, who's committing the murders? Well, 3% of the population is committing over half of them. Well, that seems like a big part of how to solve this. Now, there's white people, Asian people, Hispanic people committing murders too. 
But if we eliminated every Asian murder, I bet 97% of murders would still be going on. Not to say we don't want to eliminate every Asian murderer that we can. Want to catch him, put him behind bars too. I said him because it's almost always guys. But solving every Asian murder in this country and keeping it from ever occurring would still mean 97% of all murders take place. So if you really want to decrease murder, you have to decrease the people who are committing the most of the murders. You have to solve them, the murders, and you have to put the people behind bars. Because guess what? The other part of this data is races overwhelmingly kill other members of their race. Young black men overwhelmingly, statistically off the charts, are victims of murders, and they're overwhelmingly killed by other young black men, much like happened in Kansas City. Which is why when Katie Porter, who's running for Senate in California, comes out and says about the situation going on right now with Lake and Riley, the innocent young girl who was murdered by an illegal that should have never been in this country, she says, well, we can't change things based on one story. Well, that's interesting because it seems to me the entire police department in the entire nation was destroyed based on one video of George Floyd. And there's way fewer people who are victims of police violence than are victims of illegal immigrant violence. So when it comes to illegal immigrant violence, we can't overreact based on what happened. But when it comes to police violence, oh, we got to defund the police. We got to do away with everything. Now, the reality is I don't mind when anecdotes become big stories because it's hard to pay attention to every story every day. There's lots of them. But when anecdotes that are representative of larger issues become stories, that's actually healthy because that allows us to solve the underlying issue. Illegal immigrants are killing thousands of Americans every year. That is a reality. I believe Lake and Riley would still be alive if Joe Biden were not president of the United States and if Donald Trump were president of the United States instead. Why do I say that? Because there would not have been 8 million illegals allowed in this country if Donald Trump was still in charge of United States immigration. We still would have had illegal immigration, but maybe we have a million instead of eight million. The odds of that individual ever getting into the country are low, much lower if Donald Trump is president. So could it have still happened? Yes. There probably would be a million illegals that had entered during the Trump administration, the second one, compared to the eight million that have entered so far in the Biden administration. So only about 12 or 13% of the total would have come in. That would have made it much less likely that this individual got in. But Democrats don't want to talk about that. There's a new video out. It's very powerful that is making the case about Lake and Riley and what would potentially have happened uh, if our own laws had been implemented. Finally, and much less seriously, Wendy's is considering a surge for pricing for hamburgers. I think this could be a disaster. Surge pricing in general, not ideal. Many of you out there have probably left a concert or a sporting event and tried to get an Uber 
back in the day, they used to surge pricing. You would get charged 10x sometimes what would ordinarily be the case. And as a result, it made people really mad. And Uber dialed back their amount of surge pricing. The same thing I think is going to happen with hamburgers. Because what I have seen is, if Wendy's is charging you $10 for a hamburger sometimes and $3 for a hamburger other times, the people who get the benefit of the $3 hamburger are not as happy as the people who get the lack of benefit from the $10 burger. In other words, this isn't a symmetrical situation. People are far angrier when they feel like they had to pay way too much than they are happy when they feel like they didn't have to pay as much. So I suspect that this is going to be a disaster for Wendy's and that the hamburger surge pricing is going to change substantially. Now, if you set set hours and you have like the early hours, right? This is not uncommon. Early bird specials for old people out there who want to eat dinner. And by the way, sometimes I'm one of them. Like 4.30, you're like, man, I'm ready for dinner. If you give an early bird special or a happy hour special, and then you have the standard prices afterwards, I think that's okay. I don't think you can raise prices. I think you can lower prices to try to drive more volume. I don't think you can raise prices. I predict this is going to be a disaster for Wendy's. And by the way, I love Wendy's. I love their Frosties. I actually, it's going to be super controversial, I actually like Wendy's French fries more than McDonald's French fries. I think they're better. I like. I think they still have the squirter uh, for the, the ketchup where you can make your own little squirt uh, captions. I think they still have that in Wendy's. I like it better. I haven't been in a Wendy's in a long time. That was what I liked about Wendy's. The frosty, the fact that I could get as much ketchup as I wanted, and the fact that I thought their fries were better. All right. Uh, I love all of you. I'll be back tomorrow. DBAP unless you need to SBAP. This has been OutKick, the show.